we're talking about Star Wars Duel of the Fates, starring Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Adam Driver, wait, 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 Daisy Ridley. Wait, wait, Ryan, 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 stop. This movie what? didn't actually happen. Yeah, man. What? What are you? What are you talking about? Didn't get made. This, 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 this. Wait, where are we? We're on the Octo Island. It was all a dream. Yeah. Today we are uh, back on the Octo Island uh, for our review of the Duel of Fate script written by Colin Trevorrow. I am Ryan, one of your hosts here. I'm Brendan, one of your hosts. I'm Logan, the third one of your hosts. The third one. Of, the third one. Logan's third one. the third one. I'm the third uh, one. Uh. But, uh, yeah, so welcome back to Octo Island. This is the Twisted Bug Media Network's Star Wars podcast. Uh, this is only our third episode, but, um, so we'll be here today, obviously, reviewing this script, but then starting two weeks from now, we'll be starting our Clone Wars rewatch, uh, well, we'll be continuing, I guess, because we already did one episode did of one it. Episode. Uh, continuing our Clone Wars, uh, rewatch, so we're gonna be here with a lot more Star Wars content for you guys, so, uh... Yeah, do you guys, I guess before we get into, we have some form of a plot summary for this, because we're going to be going through it s- somewhat like a like a movie review. It's a script review. We've never done a script review before. Yeah. Um, but do you guys want to talk about, like, your history with the, the Duel of the Fates? Sure. Uh, yeah, the Duel of the Fates is a great song uh, from the, uh, the, the Phantom Menace that came out. No. Uh, I mean... Yeah, like, I knew that there were originally supposed to be uh, different directors for Episode Nine, and that things got, like, kind of shaken up, um, and then that kind of led to a lot of, like, people's dismay over, like, the actual movie that we got with The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I knew that we were going to talk about this script once it was leaked online on Reddit at some point, um because we we talked about it not just that i didn't just have an instinct that like ah someday someday we're gonna talk about it uh yeah but for the most part i was just kind of like you know when we actually get around to it that's when i'll read it so i've i've read it once um and I've, i've watched some theory videos and stuff on it so i feel super super prepped to talk about it today um i did not realize how in the process of a production of a film like this that a director like Colin Trevorrow could have a finished script or damn close to it and then it just like doesn't get made at all and they go in a completely different direction so um yeah for me I didn't really even know that this script was out there but I was really excited when this got leaked um you know I didn't love the way that Rise of Skywalker ended like it you know it's not uh not my least favorite Star Wars movie as as Floyd will say (laughs) that it is for him but um I, like, I, Not I if you count the Clone Wars movie. Oh, okay. If you, That's true. If you count the Clone yeah. Wars movie, it's my second least favorite. But if you maybe. don't, then it's, yeah. It's my favorite of the main nine films. Plus the two Your Rogue least One favorite, Solo. Yeah. yeah. Least favorite. Yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, I mean, I, I just didn't really love, like, the fact that this was, like, the big climax. And it, it didn't really deliver uh, what I wanted. But, <clears throat> yeah, I was really excited to read this. Um, and a while ago, I read about two-thirds-ish uh, of the script, um, and I I don't, I don't really know why I stopped, but uh, I just, like, got really busy or something. I was just like, I'll save the rest for another time, and then I never got around to it. So, uh, today, I read through the entire thing. I started over from the beginning, uh, took notes, uh, as I normally do when we watch, like, movies uh, for Cinema Talk, uh, and then I also read uh, the last, like, the, kind of like the last act of the movie, which I hadn't seen. Um, and I was just crying my eyes out. My 
my eyes are are still moist from that reading a little bit. So still damp. Uh, I'm 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 pretty fresh off of off of that reading. But um, yeah, that's my experience with this. You got some moist eyeballs over here. Um. So yeah. I hate it so yeah, you guys balls. heard of. Oh wow, that's I'm glad that moist this balls. is okay. My background <laughs> with Duel of the Fates. Uh, so I even talked about my curiosity with the Trevorrow version back when we reviewed Rise of Skywalker in December mm-hmm. uh, when it came out because there were some rumors coming around with it that like actually ended up not being true. And I was just super curious to see what Trevorrow's version was going to be because I knew that they got a decent way through production before they fired him um, or quote-unquote parted for creative differences, which how many times is that going to happen with Kathleen Kennedy? How many times, like, Taika Waititi just got hired today. Like, we're recording this on uh, Monday the 4th. Happy May the 4th. Uh, May, the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Uh, exactly. And it just got announced today that Taika Waititi is going to write it and direct a new Star Wars movie. How long is it going to take for him to get fired? Probably um, long. Probably two weeks, three weeks, we'll see. Um, hopefully that movie actually happens. What, because he's like so, a director with actual ideas about like what he would want to do with a film, and she's probably... Yeah, because... That. Yeah. because No, because she's fired three of the five directors, or four <laughs> of the five directors originally planned on making each film, so she normally likes to fire the director partway through production. Um, the only film that hasn't happened with is Last Jedi. Likes to mix it up. Yeah. Yeah, mixed up with Last Jedi, I actually trusted Ryan Johnson. And they made a good movie. Who knew? You did. Um, in, in, yeah, but, in our opinions. Not not in many people's opinions, but yeah. But yeah, fuck those in the people. three of us. Just kidding. Yeah, the you, three of us. You, and the person who disagrees with us is not here. Yeah. <laughs> True. He's not here to defend himself. Um, but no, yeah, I, I was super curious about this script, and then once it actually leaked a little bit, um, with Robert Meyer Burnett when he got a hold of it, um, I was like, you know, I ate up all of those those podcasts that he made about it, and I was I really wanted to like recreate it as much as I could or do do anything so I could get a like a try to get a full clear picture of it, and eventually, I, as I figured it would, a few weeks later, whole thing leaked. Um, it was while I was still at school and had printing uh, privileges, so I went and just printed the whole hundred and twenty eight page script. And I have it still sitting over there right now I that I reread. Um, I do hate trees. Um, I'm terrible at reading screens, like, for a long period of time. Um, but, I so I read the script then, read it all the way through. It was a super emotional experience, kind of like Logan. And, uh, you know, I've just kind of, in my brain, in my own headcanon, I've kind of just accepted that, what we're talking about today, as my episode 9, because I like it a lot more, as we'll get into, um, than the movie that I, I quite disliked. It, it, I've rewatched that movie twice now in the last month since I got it on Blu-ray, and I, st- I, I enjoy it more, but I, you know, I still don't, I still dislike it, you know, but, no, yeah, I reread as much as I could before we hopped on the call. I think it got 100 pages in while my computer was having a seizure, so, you know, I, I, I'm pretty well re-familiarized with it. It was, it, it, most of it was exactly as I remembered, so I'm pretty sure I can confidently talk about the ending as well so uh yeah i guess i will go into this little bit of a plot summary unless there's anything else that you guys want to bring up before we go into the actual script oh, let's get into it all right so this is via starwarstime.net uh this is just their little bit of a plot summary so um in this version of the film the film would open uh on kuwait with bb-8 and rose infiltrating the kuwait moon where the uh first order builds their ships finn and poe are there as well uh Ray eventually shows up too. R2 and 3PO are missing in action. Uh, they all plan to blow up the ring to bits, but it goes wrong. The order contains it. Apparently, Ray is disguised as a Tusken Raider and has a double-bladed lightsaber fashioned out of her staff, like and Luke's lightsaber, aka Anakin's lightsaber. 
good guys all battle the bad guys and they end up stealing a star destroyer called the eclipse which is a dreadnought uh the knights of ren show up on kuwait and kill the admiral for allowing the resistance to steal the 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 destroyer uh then the action cuts to Coruscant. Apparently, it's no longer a vibrant city and is occupied by the Order, which has place, which has a palace there now. Citizens are basically scavengers, and Hux is now the Chancellor. Hux and Commander Selleck meet with uh, alien warlords, meaning uh, the Order has allies, and they're aware of Rey being the last Jedi. They also want to know where the hell Kylo Ren is at. Nice. Uh, now things transition to Mustafar, where Kylo is alone and is haunted by Luke's ghost. Luke tells him this is where the dark path leads, an empty tomb. Kylo retorts... Where did your path lead? Luke is trying to get him to turn back to Leia, but he presses on and finds a Sith holocron in Vader's castle, which reveals a hologram of Palpatine. The recording was for Vader, and as a contingency, if Luke killed the Emperor, Vader was supposed to take Luke to Remnicor's system to see Torvalum, the master of the Sith. Things transition to the Resistance base on Koa Aleph, and Leia can feel what is happening to Ben. The Kuwait team arrives, complete with a destroyer, uh, to everyone's surprise, apparently Rey confides in Finn that she doesn't want to, doesn't have what it takes to be a Jedi, and he asks her about her uh, Kylo connection, to which she replies she's having nightmares. Finn tells her to shut him out, and that uh, he, she can't change him, but Rey tells Finn, tells him Finn taught her that anyone can change. Rey also learns through the Jedi text that there's a comm beacon under the Jedi Temple on Coruscant, which can send a signal to 50 pl planets and can, can't be blocked by the First Order. Now we get to see Rey train with Ghost Luke, uh, so he's pushing her to get her stronger, to get stronger, and Kylo to let Ben back out. Kylo makes it back to Coruscant with a damaged face from the Holocron, and apparently some Mando armor is melted and grafted onto his face. Things cut back to Rey and Luke, who are still training, arguing the merits of the light side and dark sides of the Force. Rey basically doesn't want to be a Jedi because she is no one, but Luke presses her uh, on the Force on how the Force is speaking to her. The scenes cut back to uh, Kylo and Hux, with Kylo telling him he's found the power that makes blowing up planets insignificant, and he heads off to tell Hux. And as he heads off, he tells Hux to wipe out the Resistance, and he will deal with the girl. Now things start to head towards the climax, so two Resistance teams are dispatched to carry out the missions. Team A, which is Rose and Finn and R2 and C-3PO, head to Coruscant for the beacon, while Team B, which is Rey, Poe, and Chewie, go to, to a planet to find someone to help figure out, uh, help Rey figure out what she needs to do. Meanwhile, Kylo goes to the Sith planet Remnicor, but before he... Before he does so, he chucks Vader's helmet off a balcony and yells at him for allowing love to cloud his judgment. Leia remains at the Resistance base to oversee the operations, and her and Rey talk before Rey leaves, with Rey telling her that Kylo still has good in him, but Leia is skeptical. But she doubles down on how Rey is her own person that the Force uh, chose her. And now for the finale. The Order tracks down the Resistance base, but they escape. Team A infiltrates the Jedi Temple and turns on a beacon so the signal gets out, but the Order cuts its uh, shut cuts it off shortly after. Team A flees to the underbelly of Coruscant. Team B is pursued by the Knights of Ren, but eventually reach Bonadan. Kylo reaches Remnicor and confronts 7,000-year-old Torvalum, who trains Kylo. On Bonadan, on Bonadan, Poe takes Rey to a seer, who pulls a star chart out of Rey's memories, and then the Knights of Ren show up, and uh, Rey beats them. Both Rey and Kylo head to Mortis, Clone Wars reference, we'll get into that, while Leia asks Lando to rally the smugglers. Rose gets captured by the First Order and is tortured, but escapes. Finn and the two droids start a re revolt on Coruscant. Leia brings the rest of the Resistance to Coruscant for an epic space and ground battle, and Chewie flies an X-Wing. Rey and Kylo do battle on Mortis, and it is revealed that Kylo killed Rey's parents at the behest of Snoke. Towards the end, Luke, Obi-Wan, and Yoda show up as Force Ghosts to save Ben, but they can't, 
and his light is extinguished. And that's the plot summary of the Duel of the Fates. You know, not not quite as in-depth as we're used to, but that's that's alright. Um so yeah, let's get into let's let's start with first reactions. What did, what did you guys think first time reading through this script? Yeah, um, I think that it was really like obviously it's a lot different than the stuff that we ended up with, uh, just because like I don't know somewhere between this and the final cut they were like yes Palpatine time to bring him back. Um, but I, I think that it's really interesting that um, they included some of those things from, like, the Clone Wars and things that, like, we hadn't really seen uh, in the rest of the Star Wars series up until then. So I thought it was really interesting. Um, super interesting read, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, I think that it does a great job in bringing things back from the rest of the series that people want to see. Um, specifically, like, Coruscant. And Mustafar, which they technically did bring back in The Rise of Skywalker, but they uh, didn't even tell us that it was Mustafar. Nope. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they did things really well like that, uh, while while not doing what they did with Palpatine, which is just, like, literally just rehashing the exact same thing. Uh, you know, and, and I think there, there's a way to bring things back and fan service uh, that gets really... Um, just really shallow, and I think Rise of Skywalker definitely felt into that, fell into that trap a little bit. Um, and I think that's something this script does especially well. Uh, yeah, I I loved this script. I thought it was great. Um, there's so many moments that we're gonna talk about that I think work so much better than they did in Rise of Skywalker. Now, I mean. We can talk about this real quick. This never was going to be the script that was going to be on screen because uh, Carrie Fisher died literally like a week and a half after they finished this draft of the script. Mm. So that's presumably the creative difference that Trevorrow left over, what to do with the Leia character. Um, so that's that's tough. So we like every moment with Leia wouldn't have exactly happened as it as it is told here. So that's that's a little tough to know. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's uh they got basically this far got that creative difference and then fired Colin Trevorrow and J.J. Abrams basically just started over. So that's, there's little remnants, there's small, small bits left over, I would say, from the Trevorrow version here. But yeah, there's not, not too, too much left from this yeah. version that we got in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. So let's start off. We got the, uh, um, the opening of the film, the opening of the script is the, uh, the Kuwait, uh, shipyards. And we get this opening little, like, salvo with uh, the whole gang there on Kuwait trying to steal a, uh, well, trying to blow up, actually, the space station where they're mining all this stuff. And then they end up stealing a Star Destroyer, Dreadnought. What'd you guys think of this opening scene? Pretty cool to steal a Dreadnought, gotta say that. Yeah. Um, you know. I, I thought it was interesting in the script the way that they talk about like undercover BB-8, which is just something that like you don't really think of. That That's much. awesome. Yeah, I love like, yeah. just a droid. <laughs> I love that scene. I love BB-8 like being painted black. It's and then he gets yeah. a he gets a little like scrape on the paint, and he's like, uh oh. Like I I can imagine this happening perfectly. I think yeah. there are a lot of times in this where I'm going to be like, Colin Trevorrow just knew what he was doing. He knew like what you can see on screen in the Star Wars movie. And then he knew exactly how to write it down. He knew uh, what you expected to happen. And like, yeah, and I think what's what's really great about this this section 
uh, of the film, and it, it's the first time that this really pops up, where how great this dialogue is. I love the dialogue in this script. Uh, just small small little bits back and forth of, like, foe and, foe and pin. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> it came Speaking back. Uh, pin and... F- <laughs> <laughs> Poe and Finn. God hey, damn it. Hey! Uh, just having these little these little back and forth, forth quips. I love Poe's line. He says, okay, let's blow this thing and go home. You know, very much like Han Solo from the original. You know, just these little callbacks and also quippy dialogue mixed in there. This seems like really fun action, like especially once, uh, once Rey shows up. Uh, she was disguised as a Tuscan here, and she shows up, and we get that awesome-sounding double-bladed lightsaber. Darth Maul. Which sounds so cool. Yeah, like Maul, except it's both her staff and the original Skywalker saber mixed together. That's so cool. What a beautiful yeah. homage compared to the weird yellow thing that we ended up with. Yeah. yeah. They're just like, hey, just... let's like let's like throw in a yellow saber and hope that some like fans of the EU will really understand that. Like, and I'm like, oh. okay, <laughs> it's yellow. Right. Yeah, no, this is this is just so cool. Um, Who are you? I love it. <laughs> just thinking about the Who old lady. Who are you? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. The fucking old lady who's just like, what? Like Logan said, quiet, I'm, I'm committing identity fraud. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, do you guys want to, what, what really stood out in this opening scene for you guys? Um, building the romance, okay, actually, kind of two things. One is building the romance between Ray and Poe, which yeah. I really enjoy throughout this movie. Um, it's weird that we don't get any really finality to that at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about that ending, but, like, I mean, I like it for most of the movie, but I think it's weird that they, like... Just didn't do anything with it uh, in the end. And the other thing is this theme of, like, uh, I think it has the phrase in the script, a promise of revolution uh, somewhere. It's underlined in the script, so you know it's important. Um, Sure. But I love that this was, he's, like, Colin Trevorrow took The Last Jedi and clearly just, like, ran with it. Like, do you remember at the end of The Last Jedi with the, the kid that, like, used the Force to grab the broom? And he's at the the slave camp or whatever, like on, on Canto Bite uh, with the, the Fathers. And it just left this message that I thought was really cool. Like, oh, like the force is out there. The people are out there. The people are going to rise up. And, and I feel like that never really came to fruition in a very satisfying way. You know what I mean? And we get a little bit of that with Rise of Skywalker, with, with Lando coming back. But in this script, Man, it's don't. just, it's so much cleaner and more direct. Like, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but when we get to this character, Dade, this little, like, Gavroche-type character who's just, like, <laughs> yeah. running around the streets and, like, leading a revolution, it's awesome. And, like, I feel like he he embodies what, uh, what, shit, uh, Ryan Johnson was, was putting up in the last movie. Yeah. I think and, that for... Yeah. Yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of talk about that. I think the whole thing with Ryan Johnson is that, like, this script is really, like, we, I think we talked about in The Rise of Skywalker how J.J. Uh, Abrams coming back into this kind of, like, in uh, Force Awakens, uh, how, I think, Ryan, you were talking about this, how J.J. set up these mystery boxes and then uh, Ryan Johnson, like, filled them and was like, hey, like, here's what I'm going to do with that. Uh, but then in JJ's script, he came in and he was like, no, fuck you. Uh, whereas Colin Trevorrow was really like, you know, 
he took it and he ran with it. And I think that that's like one thing that this script does really well is like implementing those things that we saw in The Last Jedi and not just throwing them away and being like, nope, I'm going to reset. Well, I think it's really a matter um, of Colin Trevorrow saying yes and versus JJ's no but. You know, yeah. we, we talk we talk about yes and a lot and and go yeah. listen to Stop Wait What. And Stop Wait I what? feel like there was so much that was set up in episode eight that we just didn't get in episode nine. So I get that people didn't like The Last Jedi. I firmly disagree with you. And, and as you know, if you've listened to um, our, our podcast on that, The Last Jedi is actually my favorite Star Wars movie. Like, not necessarily what I think is the best, but as for my personal favorite, The Last Jedi is my favorite. Um, and you can go back and listen to me talking about that movie at length. Uh, and why that is the case. It's a long-ass podcast. It is a long-ass podcast. But uh, I, I res- what I respect about this, this script is that it keeps those threads going from The Last Jedi. And even if you didn't like it, like, y- that's not a reason to just say, like, no, that didn't happen. And, like, you know, let J.J. come back in and just erase the whole thing. And I just think this does such a better job of that. And I feel like... I feel like, really, the Duel of the Fates script is a script that everyone would be able to get behind. Like, I I like this script as a fan of The Last Jedi. Uh, I think it takes just the right amount of risks, but I don't think it's really going to piss anyone off. And I think if you... I think even if you didn't like The Last Jedi, you can still like where Trevorrow takes, takes the threads that were sewn in The Last Jedi, in this script. That's what I think. Uh, 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 one thing that I think is really cool is that right off the bat we get more Rose um, rather than just, like, this whole, like, sidelined thing that happened uh, in in the, the Rise of Skywalker uh, is that uh, Colin Trevorrow actually, like, took this new character that even though... And, like, I had opinions on Rose and obviously, like, she wasn't my favorite character and if you listened to our uh, Last Jedi podcast, you know that. Um, but I think the fact that he, like, heard those criticisms and then was also, like, well, you know, like, we can still do something with her rather than just, like, sidelining her for the entire movie, which is what J.J. Abrams did, so. Well, what's what's interesting about that is that, well, this script did, was written a year before The Last Jedi, so I don't think he quite would have known the, the pushback against Rose. And, yeah, I, I mean, I called her one of the worst Star Wars characters ever. I think I might have called her the worst Star Wars character um, but That's that doesn't fair. mean that I necessarily wanted her kicked out of the the franchise. I think mainly that was that came from the real only weakness in the Last Jedi script, which was how he wrote Rose. And I think in this script, at least, she's written a lot better because she actually has real things to do, and she actually does real things in this script. Like as we'll get to later, like she is on Coruscant breaking into the Jedi Council, and then is the one that basically stops. Uh, you know, the capital from escaping with Hux in it. Like, she actually does stuff in this script that has real consequences, which is why I think her character came off as less obnoxious, I would say. I don't know. I don't know uh, yeah, if that's the right I, word or not. I also think that her writing is better in the Duel of the Fates script um, than, it, than it was in The Last Jedi. And that's... If, if I have an is- issue with The Last Jedi, it is probably the character of Rose. And, like, she wasn't my favorite, but, like, what Trevorrow does here is he corrects the character and he takes it in a good direction instead of just like what you what you guys were saying like what what jj did which is just like yeah leave her back at the base to study like she has she has stuff to do she can't be you know playing with the big boys yeah she has she has the bar exam she can't go out there and save the universe yeah yeah no it's it was it was really 
it was an obnoxious decision by J.J. Abrams. It, like, like everything in that script, it was so, so reactionary to everything that people were saying about The Last Jedi and didn't focus on pushing the f- story forward, much like Trevorrow does here. Because what's so singular about this script coming out a, or being written a year before The Last Jedi is there was nothing to react to. This is just pure what he would have done with the storyline going forward without either the ideas from Disney to push back against what they did in The Last Jedi or just J.J. Abrams being like, no, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want to do. Pretty much. And and a storyline that I do want to talk about, we don't have to talk necessarily talk about this linear, linearly, um, that I think yeah. is a really interesting addition by uh, Colin Trevorrow is the Ray and Poe romance that gets implemented. They have great dialogue back and forth in this opening scene um, where he's like, eh, eh, you feel that? I felt that, you know, and then they, they kiss later when they're on the planet trying to get the, the way to um, Mortis and, you know, as a distraction, but then she actually kisses him for real to, like, get him to leave and I don't know, I just, I can I can play out these scenes in my mind by the way it's written, and especially the dialogue. The dialogue fits Poe and Ray so well, and I can hear Oscar Isaac and Daisy Ridley reading and acting in these scenes, and I feel like it would have been amazing. Very attractive couple. I think he clearly just knows how to write both of these characters so well, and I wanted to talk about the scene later with uh, where where they where they kind of kiss for real. Um, the this is like a Jedi mind kiss, basically. Yeah. Is is kind of what's going on? I like, think. I think she kissed him to drop his guard because he was like, no, no, I'm fighting, I'm fighting, I'm fighting. And then she kissed him, he dropped his guard, and then she was able to uh, yeah. control him. Uh, but I can just imagine, like, it has the line, uh, she approaches Poe, delicately brushes her fingertips across or over his bleeding forehead. Like, I can imagine that, and I can imagine, like, the, the Jedi mind trick, like, hand movement the going tension. along with yeah. that. And being, yeah, but also, <laughs> yeah, it's Jedi mind trick plus sexual tension. Um, We've never had a sexy mind trick before. <laughs> and why haven't we had a sexy mind trick before? What are they afraid of? It's a good question. They're afraid of the sexiness. That's what they're afraid of. They See, J.J. Abrams would not have... Uh, he would not have the courage to put a sexy Jedi mind trick in the he Rise the of Skywalker. Yeah, that's but you know what? Colin Trevorrow did. Seconds, and that was it. I feel like four seconds is a really generous a gen- estimate on how 30, long that kiss was. No, like... A, yeah a quarter of a second maybe (laughs) yeah that's probably more accurate um but yeah i i love that moment for sure to to just bring it it back around yeah yeah no it's 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 a great moment it's i think it's a great aspect and it's a point where like it's new it just this script it doesn't just rely on last jedi you know it 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 takes last jedi definitely continues those storylines but then also creates its own storylines that have really impactful scenes and i like how they didn't just create another love interest for finn in this movie they they actually just let finn have a real character arc rather than just be you know someone in the rise of skywalker is just there and then oh maybe he has a crush on this other stormtrooper girl that was rescued and then oh he blows up the one ship and then he's done question mark that's it here they actually like they actually had him do real things that tie back to his character. Like, I love how they had Finn, you know, lead the revolt on Coruscant. And just the idea, real quick, sorry to keep jumping around. Coruscant in this movie? That's awesome! Yeah, that's wild. It's incredible. I thought it was yeah. very cool. Gotta say. And the fact that it's, like, it's a ship that literally, like, I don't know. I think that's really cool that, like, it's... Oh, the Capitol building? Yeah, like, the Capitol building is, like, a ship. That was pretty awesome. But... 
while we're talking about this, can we just talk about overall Finn's arc here? Because there's something sure, yeah, yeah. There's something pretty specific uh, that I noticed about this script that I feel like they try to try to grapple with in the Rise of Skywalker, but they never really get there. And that's the fact that Finn is a former stormtrooper with yeah. the First Order, and he's reformed and he's changed his ways. Most of like in the sequ- throughout the sequel trilogy, he just kills stormtroopers, and he really has like no remorse. He just he shoots them. Yeah. He's he's and he screams. He's like whoa. You know, that was awesome. And it's fun. But then you think about it and you're like, wait a minute. Finn is a is a former stormtrooper. And then he's just like killing them with absolutely no remorse. And so they try to give him a little bit of that with like with uh, Janna and the other like this colony of former stormtroopers living together. But then they don't address the problem. Like then they still just kill a bunch of stormtroopers. <laughs> uh, and it feels yeah. really... Like, it feels really underdeveloped, and it feels like they haven't thought about it at all. And I love that... I love the difference uh, in this one. It's actually... I marked page 35 in my notes. I don't remember what is there, but I'm, I'm going okay. back to look at it now. But Finn just has so much more of a satisfying arc in this one. And I really love that they have him actively trying to convert stormtroopers, basically. Um, yeah. Well, he like, gets Rafi, I think, is the name that he goes by eventually, right? To turn. I would have said Rafe. Oh, is it Rafe? I don't know. It's R-A-F-E. There's no way to yeah. actually... Yeah. It might be but, Rafe. I mean, Rafe is a name. Is Rafe a name? I've never heard the name Rafe before. Okay. I'm looking at page 35. I'm looking Page 35, yeah. At the bottom, he says, One of the stormtroopers on Quaid. I knew him. We trained together when we were kids. He looked so scared. I remember that feeling. And then Rose says, like, that's what we're fighting for. Like, that's what this movie needs. It needs to give Finn, like... An arc. Yeah, exactly. And and it's this interesting concept that later they can actually deliver on it because he basically converts, like, this whole army of stormtroopers uh, and they're fighting in the end. And that is really important. And that's what brings down the First Order on Coruscant. And I think that's really cool that Finn is the impetus for the reason... It's not just that he fights so cool, it's that he uses what he has what like i said so much in those reviews this series is always people using what they have to do good and he's using his own story of being a former stormtrooper to do good turn the stormtroopers against their you know rulers basically their slave masters because they're so programmed they're basically slaves to the empire to the first order and to turn that against them and then use that as an asset by giving them humanity like giving them a name when they never had a name before like it's these type of things that colin trevorrow gets that I feel like J.J. Abrams just doesn't have the storytelling acumen to actually grapple with. I love the moment later where uh, he's standing, like, he, he's just, like, given a speech to, like, this huge hall of, like, uh, thousands of people, apparently. And um, and they're all, like, it says they're clanking their possessions together in unison, which I yeah. think is very funny. Um, but he's just given, like, a, he's just given, give, God, I, apparently... I don't know the correct tense of the verb give to use right now, but he has just given a speech, and in the script it says, this is not even like a line of dialogue, so we wouldn't have known this is in here, but uh, the phrase is, from traitor to deserter to revolutionary leader, his journey has led to this. And I love that. Like, even though it's not in the script, uh, we still would have gotten that sense, and like, Trevorrow, Trevorrow knows that. The fact that he wrote that phrase in there, it, it shows... That he has such an understanding of what needed to be done with Finn's character. And he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about um, 
I think a character that is really interesting throughout this film, and that is Kylo Ren. Yep. Very, very different than The Rise of Skywalker. Um, so the film starts... Exactly. And the film starts, or the script starts, with him searching for um, a holocron on Vader, in, on Mustafar going to Vader's castle, um, which is much more explicit in this version than it was in The, uh, in the Rise of Skywalker, even and though we technically did go to... Aliens. <laughs> Yeah, just murdering aliens and then, like, no establishing shot of where he is. And then just, like, pushing the thing over and grabbing the holocron. But here it actually... Yeah, exactly. It just... it. I hate... Oh, I hate the way that Rise of Skywalker opens. But here, he he finds it and goes to Mustafar, opens the holocron, and there we get Emperor Palpatine. The best way you can use Emperor Palpatine. A dead character? A hologram. You don't need (laughs) to actually have him there. Um, (laughs) A dead character. Exactly. A dead character being dead. What? Who knew? Um, not attached to a robot but, arm, which is how I exactly. like him. Um, or apparently maybe a clone, according to the novelization. Who fucking knows at this what? point? Um, <laughs> the writers definitely didn't. Um, but no, yeah, so he gets this... I know, I swear to God. The, the movie, the more I talk about it, just makes me more upset. Um, especially compared to this movie. I will but he say, goes this episode and, is basically just like shitting on Rise of Skywalker Part 2. I will say yeah, that shitting like, on from the time that we initially reviewed it to now i've had more time to like reflect on it and like kind of put aside the nostalgic blindness that i kind of went into that review with and it it has a lot more faults than i think i talked about on that podcast i agree so much with you like i almost had the exact same experience with that i didn't hate it at first but now looking at it i hate almost every single creative decision that they ended up making with that movie but i was just like you know when you're in the theaters it's exciting because you're with like a hyped up audience and it's got the sound effects and the music and you know okay this is fun it's awesome it's cool it's star wars but then you go home and think about it for more than like (laughs) like, 10 seconds yeah and then you're like wait wow um, this is bad do either of you guys watch uh jenny nicholson's videos no no i don't i i think i've seen i think i follow her on twitter though yeah she's hilarious you have to watch her videos because she she does like reviews of star wars and like all of this different stuff um but i think the title for her um rise of skywalker video was just oh no the rise of skywalker was real bad that was (laughs) yeah that's that's basically how i felt leaving the theater i was like oh no shit that was shit um welcome to the club by the way guys of fully accepting that rise of skywalker is a bad movie i'm i'm come on in the water is warm (laughs) it's we're very welcoming we have cookies there's still no way that it's the worst star wars movie but oh it's definitely the worst star wars movie but we don't need to go into that whole debate again um talking about back to duel of the fates yeah back to duel of the fates with kylo so i wanted to ask you floyd because i feel like you might know uh okay i i looked up a picture of the sith holocron when i like when i read it in the script and it basically just looks like the sith wayfinder is that the same thing well here's the thing because it i don't know what kind of sith holocron they were talking about here because there's a sith holocron that is a point in season two and rebels that looks very much like the sith wayfinder it's basically just a red triangle yeah Um, that's what i found yeah it's basically just a red triangle and that's something that was going on with like maul and vader and um Kanan and Ezra from Rebels, which maybe is a series that we'll cover at some point on this show. Um, I don't think it's nearly as good as Clone Wars, but... Which one is Steve um, Bloom? Steve Bloom? I don't know. Freddie Prince Jr. is Kanan. Okay. I don't know. So it's definitely not 
It's definitely not Kanan. Um, I'm not sure. I've never. I actually don't know. I I know the cast for the Clone Wars pretty well, but I don't know the cast for Rebels very well. Alright, let's keep shit rolling. Um, yeah. He's the voice of Wolverine. Um, but no, yeah. I don't. I don't know what's up with this Sith holocron. But honestly, I I question it less because it's way less of a plot significance. Yeah. In this film, basically, it pops open. It's like Palpatine's like, hey, take him to Torvalum if if he actually murks me, which would that would suck. I'd be dead, but at least we'd have Skywalker. And then it realizes that it's not Vader, and it just shocks the shit out of Kylo Ren. And I love what this does for Kylo Ren's character. You know, he's got a beard in this one, which I would have killed to see Adam Driver with a Adam beard. With a beard. Can um, Adam Driver grow a beard? Maybe not. Maybe that's why they had to rewrite the script. I think he, <laughs> may, you, I think he can. I'm not sure. I'm Googling it now. I'll let uh, you know. No, I, I am also Googling it. Adam Driver okay, so, beard. I hope it doesn't show me like his wife. Or well, he has. <laughs> oh no, he has. He does have like some like a goatee. Yeah, he's got. He's had a goatee for Not uh, a plenty of films, thing. but I'm saying like a full ass beard. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know if he can grow a full ass beard. <clears throat> but but I want I want to get back to Kylo because I think this is a really interesting stuff for the script. Would he look um, like Sorry, go on. Uh, yes. So Kylo, you know, he he gets his face all scarred. He, you know, has to smelt it with Mandalorian armor and you know what type they material, say. and then gets a new mask. It's so cool. And you know what they say: He who smelt it, dealt it. Hey. Oh, exactly. Um, but no, yeah. So maybe, I think his character does a the, lot. In- this should have just been the plot of Episode Nine. Kylo Ren just sharts, and everyone's <laughs> girls trying to figure out who dealt it. But yeah, no, I would have absolutely loved to see Kylo Ren with with a beard and the veins and the new mask and like hear what he would sound like. Oh um, yeah, that he says like what va- like Vader's but more guttural or something like that. Yeah. Like that's such cool. That's such cool things to put into the script. I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I was reading something where it was talking about like where Han Solo like came in to this. Like yeah, that scene with Han. Yeah, the yeah. scene with Han. But like, I don't know. It's just like I feel like it's very far cry from the the rise of Skywalker with him just hucking his lightsaber into the ocean, you know. Yeah, I think that was probably the only scene that I liked better in J.J. Abrams' version. I'm not gonna lie. Hmm. Uh, are you that, forgetting about Babu time. Frick? Uh, Babu Frick. Yeah. I, okay, Babu. We don't have a one to one Babu comparison. I think Babu so Frick we can't quite say that. Babu Frick is like the only thing that I missed from this script. <laughs> If we could write in Babu Frick, then it would be perfect. It would be the perfect movie. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, so let's keep talking about Kylo, because he, yeah. he goes to Torvalum, and this is a Kylo. revelation that I think I think is a better... This is You don't need Palpatine, because you have Torvalum. Exactly. Like, you don't need to go back to Palpatine, a dead character. We can just have this cool, badass ancient Sith, that's like a spider-type dude, teach him how to force-suck people's um, force suck. life out of them. And, well, okay, here's what's better about this version of the story with the force sucking. I don't know how else to call it. Um, please, please not. It's an ancient Sith master. Like it's an ancient, ancient, yeah, ancient Sith master teaching Kylo Ren and only Kylo Ren how to do this. So it's not just a random thing that all of a sudden Ray's just like, oh yeah, I can heal this fucking snake right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's it's a very Yoda. specific Sith. It's a very specific Sith talent that he teaches kylo ren and then kylo ren is the only one that knows how to do it it's so much simpler in this movie yeah, yeah kind of i agree yeah. and, and i love that scene when he's teaching him how to you know uh suck the life out of that little piggy and he's like oh what next and he's like that cave and 
I can only imagine the fight between Darth Vader and Kylo Ren, Ren in that cave. Oh my god. Oh my god. Crazy. I mean, rightfully so, Vader kicks his ass, but, like, yeah. I would have killed to see, like, compared that to the, the cave-type equivalency in Rise of Skywalker with Rey's evil self, like, I would have killed to see Kylo Ren versus Darth Vader. <laughs> or just, um, like, the but then, fight yeah. between Rey and Kylo that happened, like, right after that, where they were just moaning yeah. at each other. <laughs> yeah, that, the, like I said in the podcast, the very sexual lightsaber duel, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um... So, so another thing that I want to talk about before we keep moving is the uh, the Knights of Ren are actually in this yeah. for God. like for realsies, yes. and we get an amazing action scene with them that I would have killed to see, yeah. uh, with Ray just like murking people. Yeah, this action scene just seems completely incredible, and like I love the descriptions of um of the Knights of Ren. Like I love the Knife Nine is their ship. That just sounds yeah, cool. <laughs> just like the sound of it is cool. Um, and like, I love that they all have like individual personalities and they're all like, they're all pretty distinctive. Like I I forget where in the script it is, but they, Trevorrow gives like, uh, descriptions of all of them. They all have like a cool characteristic, but what I really like is, um, the pair that is Ott and Laurel and, Mm. uh, how it, it says that they're. Uh, an unseen hive communication, keeping their deadly attacks in sync. Like those two kind of like what? move as one, which I feel like is really cool. And then there's like Hataska. They are a dyad. They are oh. a dyad. And then there's like Jadek, and I don't know if he has any characteristics. He just seems like the other one, but he seems cool though. So, I think he was the one with the gun, right? The automatic gun. You might be right, but. Yeah. The action in this scene just seems absolutely incredible, and I would have loved to see this. But my favorite moment. Uh, Jadek Ren is thrown by Chewbacca and then shot in the air like a like a clay pigeon. It says, "Yeah, that's great detail. It's the coolest thing ever." Yeah. And and Ray still uses her uh, Force lightning for a much cooler yes. purpose in this movie. Exactly. And also, I love the uh, I love Hataska Ren having the dark saber, um, yes. which they would have had to explain how it got from uh, how it got from uh, what's his name. The, the admiral and Mandalorian, Mandalorian to Hataska Ren. Uh, that dark saber. I'm telling. I don't think they. I'm really telling you what though. That dark saber jumps around the timeline so much that I just I want there to be like a novelization of like the entire history of the dark saber because it has hopped through so many different hands, from Clone Wars to Rebels to Mandalorian to now to Hataska Ren. Which I guess they just kind of fucking left it there, right? Because that doesn't come back in the rest of the script, does it? I don't believe so. I think so. There's a okay, prop and, for it. And There's a prop that exists of the Darksaber in real life, and apparently it's badass. That's not, I mean, it is a badass weapon, and we will be talking about that on the Clone Wars because it comes up. Mandalorians come up quite a bit in the Clone Wars, and I'm very excited for us to get to those episodes. I'm very excited for you guys with the fresh eyes to see those and have those conversations. Um, yeah. But no, yeah, this this action scene is awesome, and I think it's, it's an example of where the action would have a little more nuance to it you know with all these different force abilities between the characters and then you know the clay pigeon type thing and Hataska Ren having the dark saber just all these little details rather than the Knights of Ren just basically having these swords and then fighting Kylo Ren in this like dark ass cave on Exegol you know (laughs) right well in in the Rise of Skywalker we never get any indication before that scene that they are intense or menacing in any way 
But here, we get to see them actually be badasses before this fight scene. So then, when Chewbacca and Rey and Poe beat them, it's like, wow, you know, they beat them, that's an accomplishment. But when they're just basically oh, Kylo's lackeys, cool. and and the only time we see them fight they're is expendable. when they're fighting Kylo, it's like, yeah, of course he was able to yeah, beat they them. Yeah, like, they suspense. killed Vaughn. Yeah, 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 he did, they did kill Vaughn. And, like, they actually used them for things in this movie. Yeah, they, de- they definitely have much more of a purpose in this script, and I think are... Like, at least, even though they're only in the script for, what, like, 60 pages before they die, it feels like they have much more of a purpose, you know what I'm saying, than than they did in Rise of Skywalker. And uh, another character that I want to talk about is Hux. I think what they did with Hux is so much better in this script, because they made him Chancellor. Yeah, exactly, that bullshit in Rise of Skywalker. They made him the Chancellor here, and he is trying to use the Force, and then eventually, once he gets beaten at the end, he commits seppuku, right? That's what it's called, right? When you stab yourself. and Yeah, that's such an interesting... Isn't it Seppuku? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm know. pronouncing that wrong. I think that's I think that's what it is. It's, a, it's, a, um, it's just like a Japanese seppuku. term. Seppuku. Yeah, where he you impale yourself and basically rip your guts. Um, yeah, exactly. But he does it, it with Mace Windu's like, lightsaber. How cool is that? It's awesome. Like to like to escape basically the the shame of defeat. I just feel like it says so much about his character. That yeah, he's it's such a better moment than just uh, what's his name. Pride just grabbing a gun and just shooting him for being the spy, you know. The, the yeah, I think that I think was this on screen where they were like, "Let's just talk about that he was apparently in the Empire before this." Yeah. Oh God, so much of that movie. Um, <laughs> so so much. Is there any other character that you guys want to run through before we talk about like connections to Clone Wars and then maybe the ending? I want to talk about someone that actually uh, wasn't in. I I can't um that was like rumored for casting was uh Matt Smith for this movie. Um okay. was supposed hmm. to uh have been cast in the ninth Star Wars. Uh I know him as the eleventh doctor from Doctor Who. Um but he was initially supposed to be in the final Star Wars movie, but then obviously he never made it in. Um so I yeah, I mean that's like there's a lot of speculation as to who he might have been playing in the movie, but nothing was ever confirmed i would have guessed he would have been torvalum maybe the voice of torvalum people were talking about maybe if like uh like the son of mortis had shown up from uh oh he would have been him but i don't necessarily know yeah that was voiced by sam witwer who i think sam witwer could have played that role i don't know um cool guy though come on the show matt no yeah i think i think that's that's an interesting like like dream casting like who who would we have casted in these roles but yeah. yeah it's it's a i don't know yeah it's interesting you have anything logan that you want to talk about character wise before we talk about the connections to clone wars and then the climax oh climax yeah i don't know not <laughs> goodness um nice not especially yeah i just i'm uh i like almost all of the decisions that they made that uh colin trevorrow made with this script and it's just so jarring for me uh, to read a version of this where I actually like really want to praise the decisions. Like you did a good job with these characters, you did a good job with the plot, and you showed me what I wanted to see in the climax. Rather than like with, with Rise of Skywalker, how I felt was like I guess that was fine, but like I don't really like it that much. Like I'm sad that this is the I'm sad that this is the finale. But yeah, I guess since you're the Clone Wars veteran, Ryan, I please take us through some of the uh, connections here. I'm excited to learn about this stuff. 
Yeah, so a lot of it, well, the one reference to Rebels, which g- would go right over your head, is when they talk about the Bendu monk at one point, um, which is a reference to Rebels, is a character that you get in Rebels. Um, but then there was a lot of stuff, I mean, so much of this film took place in Coruscant, which a lot of, uh, well, a certain amount of episodes on in the Clone Wars deal with, you know, the underworld and then actually on the on the ground on Coruscant, so it's cool to, like, be able to visually see that because we saw that in the clone wars what this would actually kind of look like but then also the point that is directly pulled out of three episodes of clone wars is the planet of mortis and do you guys know anything about this planet going into this i'm like do you guys know anything about mortis and the well of the force and that kind of stuff nope not really Okay, so Mortis is this amazing trilogy in the middle of Season 3 of The Clone Wars where Ahsoka, Anakin, and Obi-Wan, basically they're flying and they get this communication uh, to rendezvous with uh, Captain Rex and the rest of the 501st Battalion, which is Anakin's clone battalion. And they're at the same coordinates and, like, they're not there. Like, they can't see each other, they don't know what's going on. And they see this, like, almost like obelisk type thing that opens and, like, sucks them in. And everything goes white they can't they all black out and they land on this planet that kind of looks like pandora from uh avatar which i think would have been very interesting to see which again we'll get to this in you know months from now when we review these episodes of the clone wars um but basically like throughout the day on the different areas of the planet it goes from spring summer fall winter and the the thing is the whole planet's terrain is always changing um it's like the home of the force like there's amazing cameos in those episodes of the clone wars like where like characters who you wouldn't see otherwise basically come in and that's where you know we get the yoda obi-wan and luke because they can all be there because that's basically where they live now you know they they basically as force ghosts are there all the time even though we get a ton of luke we didn't talk about luke at all yet we should probably talk about him um but yeah no it's this amazing planet that i think would have been so so cool to see on film but it's it's a location that kind of you know i think for someone who hasn't seen those episodes of clone wars you'd be like i don't think you i don't know did this did this ring like it would be very epic to you guys on mortis oh it seemed really cool to me uh i would have loved to see this but yeah i didn't i mean i guess it of course has more of an impact if you know uh clone wars but yeah i still think it would have been really cool yeah and that's and that's something that we'll you know we'll get to on this show that you'll see mortis in the clone wars but yeah just the idea of having that as live action and that's why i think the the visions are so strong while they're there that you know we get a lot of visions from both kylo and ray it's because that is basically like the well of the force and although we never get this well of the force in the clone wars we do go to like the origin of the dark side in the clone wars like where the dark side lives basically it emanates from and it's really an an amazing scene with anakin um but yeah real quick actually before we talk about the climax let's talk about um leah leah did i just say leah jesus it's okay everyone in the in uh, a new hope in the original yeah that's right um leia and luke i think these are you know two of the rocks of this film that we haven't really talked about yet uh how do you guys feel about the use of luke as a force ghost both haunting kylo ren but then also being there for ray it's great yeah i thought it was really cool very shakespearean to have this ghost tormenting kylo yeah in that that moment where like kylo ren like grabs or luke grabs kylo ren's lightsaber and just like as a force ghost holds it that's so cool that's great um 
And also the idea of just having Luke still be Ray's teacher, I think, is amazing. Even though I like having Leia be her teacher, I think just, like, Luke teaching from beyond. And that detail that uh, Colin Trevorrow put in there, that he's basically, like, the super force ghost, where he is, like, almost back in a fully embodied person, but not quite. Like, he was on Crate, you know, that kind of, like, see-through thing, but, like, still very close to a human. I think that was a really cool detail that he put in. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the detail in the script where... um... It says at one point that, like, Luke sits down next to Leia, and or next to Rey, and it's supposed to be, like, mirroring, like, Obi-Wan and Luke sitting Very together cool. yeah, yeah. In, in Empire. Yeah, and how do, you, how do you guys feel about Leia in this script? You know, she basically has the same function, you know, talking to Kylo when, she's, when he's about to kill Rey at the end, but then she doesn't die. Uh, I don't know, do you guys have any pressing thoughts on Leia in this script? I really think that, like, there's a lot that would have had to have been changed because of Carrie Fisher's death. Um, but I think that it wasn't so much that, like, they couldn't have still done it with what, um, you know, with the way that things were in Rise of Skywalker, how they were still able to, like, put her in um, without, like, shelving her, you know? Uh, I don't know. I agree. Yeah, I, I think it was... I mean, I think the parts where she's in the script are, are great, and I but I think they could have... I think they could have adapted it uh, not to include her as heavily or to just include, you know, the, the the found footage that they already had. And I think, I don't know, I think going to a different director, a different script just for that reason is 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 kind of cheap. And I I'm sure that's I'm sure that's not the real reason, even if that's like the reason that they might have cited for it. Um, I hope not. But yeah, I just uh, I, I wanted to just mention Leia's and Poe's dynamic. I think they work really well together. Um, we saw some really fun stuff with them in The Last Jedi uh, and also with um, uh, Holdo, played by Laura Dern. Um, and I think this... The the things that are in this script, the scenes that they have, the exchanged glances, the, the lines where she's kind of, like, annoyed by him but also she knows he's, like, kind of right and also, like, reminds her of Han a little bit and it's just it's just a very deep dynamic that I think Colin Trevorrow knows exactly how to write it yeah I love their interaction throughout this and they even that one scene near the end where he's like isn't all rebellion reckless like I love that line to her and she's like yeah you're right and then they go off and fight and at Coruscant and I just like, yeah you're right those little moments I think it would have been nice you know all things considered it would have been great to have Carrie Fisher be alive and just be able to play this part um but you know i i don't know i don't know what they would have done i don't know how you changed this script to fit what we needed you know for carrie fisher's found footage from force awakens the last jedi but i don't know i mean it's, it's all in all it's a really hard situation to judge it off of but just you don't need carrie fisher to be there to read the script so you can still read the script and have a you know a good good genuine uh moments with leia so yeah. So let's talk about this climax. Um, I think this is such an amazing ending to the script. You know, there's the the dog fight above Coruscant. There's the fight on the ground with uh, Finn and the new tw- uh, turned uh, stormtroopers against Hux and his forces. And then there's the lightsaber duel between Rey and Kylo Ren, which sounds let's talk about so that one epic. last because that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start the the space battle. Sounds like fun. Chewie's in an uh, X wing. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Finn and Rose 
and uh, all those old storm or stormtroopers turned freedom fighters uh, have this amazing ground battle. The turned stormtroopers, and I love the detail where it's like they climbed all these ATATs or whatever, and like like pirates, and they were like just kind of like these, these you know guerrilla fighting against this empire. And I think it's just there's so many details of this ground battle and the space battle that feel I don't know, much not to use this word. Uh, not to make a pun, but it feels more grounded than what they did in Rise of Skywalker, having just this thousands and thousands of planet-killing Star Destroyers. It was just much more personal here, which is, I think, better for Star Wars. I would agree, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 to be fair, the Rise of Skywalker did kind of, like, I don't know, it just felt like they were trying to be like, we're going to outdo ourselves so much that nobody can ever outdo this again in Star Wars, you know? Yeah, they were trying to be definitive. Yeah, just be like, this is it. This is the worst thing that could possibly happen in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. When, like, and, and, and in Floyd's opinion, that is true. <laughs> yes, it it's is. the worst thing that could ever happen. No, um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't mind that it's not a huge, you know, huge battle here. Although, uh, on, on page 61, there is a sky beam. Um, yes, there is. Yeah. Welcome back to the show. So that's pretty fun. Um, uh, what the hell is I even saying? Oh yeah, like I don't need to be it, it to be like a huge like CGI fluster cuck here. I just need like like if it's more personal, more visceral, like that's totally okay. And uh, uh, I'm gonna mention mention kind of vaguely uh, one of my favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, um, which is Civil War. And Floyd, I know we disagree on this one, and you don't like Civil War. Yeah, but that's this is one of my absolute top MCU movies. And without saying too much about the plot, I just want to talk about, like, the device of kind of scaling things down to make them more intense. Like, there is a huge CGI battle, but then that they they scale down to basically three people, and it's so personal. And what effectively happens is it just gets so much more intense. And it's really well done, and it's just an example that has been in my head recently, because I was just talking about the movie with some friends recently, and, uh, and how cool it is that they're able to do that. And I think it's just a testament to the fact that this kind of thing can work and i don't need every like star wars movie to like amp it up and just and just make the the scale of the threat so much greater like uh like oh every star destroyer now has planet killing capabilities like that's not really an effective way to do things for me and i think that's definitely part of the reason why i mean without a question reading this script was far deeper an emotional experience than watching the rise of skywalker ever was for me Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And the point that I think that really works there with what you're saying is like these small personal moments comes in the last battle between Kylo Ren and Rey. And I think that this is such an emotional battle. Kylo Ren's like, I don't care about you anymore. You know, he's completely, Kylo Ren is gone. Like anything left of humanity has left him, that was there at the end of Last Jedi is gone throughout the rest of the script. He loses it. He's like, I don't care about you anymore. I just, what's on the one what's on the other side of that wall and I will kill you to get there. And, and then, the fight that they Yeah, go ahead. Oh, the line of, the lines of dialogue that I love. Uh Ray is like, you know, she's coming after Kylo cuz she's just found out like in this version of the script uh Kylo and the Knights right, of Ren yeah, yeah. killed Ray's parents. So this is like the big Which does that line up timeline-wise? How old is Ray? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that quite works. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. necessarily know if that works. Uh, I would like it more if it was, like, just the Knights of Ren did that. Yeah. And then, yeah. like, Kylo joined them later, but he, like, kind of knew about it. I don't know. Who knows? Um, 
but regardless of the timeline, there's this great exchange where Kylo says, all I want is what's behind that door. And like, he, he doesn't even want to fight her. And she goes, then you'll have to kill me. And Kylo says, I know. Ooh. As they yeah. both light their lightsabers. I think that's, ah, uh, it's such a great callback. Like these are the callbacks that I'm talking about. It's not just about rehashing old dialogue and old plots all over again, but what they do with this line is they they take it and they they twist the meaning so much, and it's such a meaningful callback to his parents that, but that's just twisted in such a dark and and violent and frankly very scary way. And I think that's incredible to me. I love, I love how the scene plays out. Yeah. Yeah, and the idea that Ray gets blinded in this in this action scene. Crying tears of Ugh. blood, it even says. Like, that's really violent. Intense. And it's just this brutal takedown of Rey that I think makes her rise so much better when she comes back later. You know, we can see these little echoes in The Rise of Skywalker, how she goes down and then she comes back up. But I think it makes it so much more effective that she actually took this physical toll and has to use the Force to really push herself to get there. I love, like, after she, after she like, comes into the, she comes into the temple and she's blind and it says she's blind, bruised, and determined. And I love this. Like, I love the fact that she's just going to duel him blindfolded. Um, and just, like, letting the force. Like, I feel like, if anything, this is, like, the maximum ex- ex- escalation of Star Wars lore that you could get to. Like, the, we, we know about the force. We know it's powerful. And what's more a more moving way to bring that to a close in the last movie in the series than just having the main character led in this duel by only the force no sight yeah i just think this is so cool i think it's amazing and the fact that she says i am the darkness and i am the light like she's we've we've talked a lot about like bringing balance to the force and how like it doesn't and i guess like that was maybe the idea of like the yellow lightsaber and the rise of skywalker because she's like she's not the light or the dark but and now she's saying i am the darkness and i am the light and what that means is that if she's both then Kylo Ren is just nothing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true, and that's why he probably dies here. Probably why he dies. Take that. Um, yeah. But I, no, yeah, I totally agree. I love this scene. It's a callback, honestly, that kind of stuff. It also happened in Rebels with uh, Kane, and he does get blinded um, and does the same type mm. of thing. Um, but no, yeah, I love this, this idea that she is just completely guided by the Force. And they have this amazing duel, and once again, much like The Rise of Skywalker, Leia calls out to Luke, right, as he's about to kill Rey, right? If I remember correctly. And uh, stops, and then basically, again, doesn't have to have this power, you know, randomly show up. He learned how to do this, gives his own life force to Rey to heal her, and that's his redemption, I like that in in his redemption yep. is saving Ray's life, giving her life through this dark side power that he has, uses it for good, and then he dies. Yeah, and there's no kissing <laughs> bullshit. There's no kissing bullshit, which I didn't hate in the movie, but also at the same time, like it feels so much cleaner without it, doesn't it? Yeah, it. I mean, it it made for a good moment, like when you're watching the movie, uh, but. Yeah. It, it didn't like make sense. Yeah. And as he dies, Ray Solana is what he tells her her name is. And I think this is just a nice it's, it's a nice touch because it's a random name. Who cares? 
It's her last name, but it's hers. It's her last name. It's Ray's last name, and she can do with it what she wants. It doesn't matter what your bloodline is. It doesn't matter what lineage you have. She is Ray Solana, and she is this powerful being that's going to bring balance to the Force. And that's the main theme of The Last Jedi, I would say. Like, that's kind of the yeah. thesis of the movie that just gets just totally gets struck, struck in, down in, in Rise, of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Just, like, the not even a trace of it. The people are Skywalkers and, and Palpatines. Everyone else can go fuck themselves. Yep, and that's everyone. And that's so boring. <laughs> this is just... Yep. It's so it's boring. Lame. But, like, this is... What they did in this script, basically revealing, like, Kylo Ren killed her parents... It, it kind of is. It's kind of the best of both worlds. Like he's not, he's not just directly retconning what Kylo said to Rey, like in the, in the Last Jedi scene and that amazing scene in Snoke's throne room. But it's just a great way to make her parents somebody because in in a sense they kind of were somebody. They were killed by Kylo Ren, uh, you know, under the orders of Snoke because because they knew that she they knew that Rey would be powerful. Um, but you know, still like you don't have to make her one of one of the two like main families and i think that that was the fatal flaw yeah. trevaro does a good job walking the line oh, yeah i definitely agree and then one of the coolest scenes in this script is when she goes onto this like astral plane with obi-wan yoda and luke and they basically say like yeah you did it you won and you can stay here with us if you want and it kind of leaves you on a little bit of a cliffhanger on whether or not she stays or not i love this scene between these four characters it just kind of seems like this serene awesome moment that would have been so cool to see on screen yep i agree i i mean i said when we reviewed the rise of skywalker that like hearing the voices of the other jedi was cool but i really would have loved to see like basically all of the all of the jedi like in a line so like physically backing her up their their force ghost you get like like all the ones from the prequels you get like Mace Windu back, you get Obi-Wan, you get, um, you can even have, like, Qui-Gon Jinn in there, Qui-Gon Jinn, I should say, Qui-Gon Jinn, as, as we say, as we say on this show, Kujimini shit, but yeah, no, I would have absolutely loved to see, like, uh, like, all of those characters, and, you know, I don't, I didn't necessarily need it to be, like, on a huge scale, like, this scene is kind of that on a smaller scale, which I appreciate, it's exactly what I wanted. And literally, like, when I got to this, like, where it says the the names, like, Obi-Wan, Yoda, and, and Luke, I literally just started bawling when I got to the bottom of this page, and, and, and I read that. Yeah. It, it's incredible. They back. So great. It's such an amazing moment that, like, this is the moment that you want for, like, the ending of Star Wars. Like, having these main characters all there. Yeah, it's beautiful. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's such an amazing moment. Yeah. Um, And as we wrap up, you know, they go back and they have all these, like... This celebration, we get the recap of the Star Wars, original Star Wars story from R2-D2. Excuse me. And, um, you know... Chewie gets a medal. Chewie gets a medal, which I was pissed about again. What? Um, I told you, I, we had this discussion already um, in the Rise of Skywalker review. It makes me upset. But, um, you know, uh, what was it Rose and Finn who started the, you know, foundation, basically the orphanage for the Force-sensitive students? And we get little bits of this, maybe, that Finn could be Force-sensitive. Wait, but my question is, isn't this kind of exactly what Luke tried to do? Like, start yeah. like, a Jedi training, his training academy, and then one of his students went absolutely bonkers? But 
but she's different. She's not a Jedi the way that Luke was. She is both going to teach the light and the dark and not just to completely snuff out the dark. You know, she's like, like so much has been said in this script. She is something new. She's not yeah, just a Jedi. It's true. I'm looking at, I, I had the script pulled up here and I'm looking at on page 122 how, uh, she's uh they're saying that like they uh like obi-wan yoda and uh luke are saying how much ray has uh taught them and how i kind of like it because it like really closes it closes the circle you know like this cycle of like uh the light against the dark and yoda's like mm, succeeded where we have failed narrow our point of view um and, and it really but you know, it just brings closure. There were other lines I could have used to articulate that point. Yeah. Wait, should should we reenact this scene? Yes, I would, no. I would love to. <laughs> we were talking about reenacting a scene. Yeah. Before, uh, off mic. Yeah, so I mean, we yeah, we let's do that another time. That's fine. No, but yeah, no, what I really like about this section, what like you said, Brendan, that it kind of brings it full circle. It almost, having Ray be like this new type of Force user really gives this new trilogy a purpose, doesn't it? Because in Rise of Skywalker, it kind of just feels like, oh, okay, what the fuck was the point of that trilogy then? If it was the exact same ending with a character probably going to push forward with the Jedi and defeated Palpatine in this, you know, horrible, you know, planet-killing thing. Well, here, it's much smaller. It's much different. It's Rey becoming this new type of Force user, unlike the Rise of Skywalker that just redoes uh, the old thing. This actually gives us something new. Exactly. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it, this is what I liked with The Last Jedi, which people didn't like, but what I like about it is that it's something new, but it's tethered to the old. It's 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 still the same thing. I mean, it's still the same series, but they're doing new things with it. Uh this is a this was a great script in my opinion. I think this is a fantastic script. Uh and I think the ways in which it branches out are fresh and interesting and really justify the existence of a sequel trilogy. But the tasteful callbacks still make it feel like it's part of the universe and like it is a Star Wars movie. Uh, it has all, all of the elements that I would have wanted to see. I think that's yeah, great, really too. Does. I think that a lot of this was just, like, you know, just things that should have been done. Like, just as simple as that, it's just things that were very blatantly, you know put into motion by the last jedi that just should have been to say it feels like common sense right yeah like this this script really feels like the common sense script rather than the fuck you script which is what we got in the end so yeah i would yeah uh, is there anything else that you guys want to bring up before we wrap it up i talked about yeah smith i'm good so um (laughs) i was pretty bummed that we couldn't get to hear matt's uh takes on this to our matt not matt smith but uh but podcast matt i would also love to know matt smith's thoughts <laughs> yeah, I guess I would also <laughs> like to know his thoughts, although uh, not as much as our own Matt, of course. But I would be especially interested in his takes as a person who doesn't like The Last Jedi, because we all like The Last Jedi, my, me especially. Yeah. But Matt, as someone who doesn't, like, I don't know how he would feel about this script necessarily. So I I would love to just get him on to, to talk about it. You've already heard all of our thoughts on this episode, but maybe we'll just have him on for Maybe for we'll have an addendum with Matt. Just Matt talking about it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But I actually did have a question for you guys. Um, sure. That we sort of touched on earlier, but uh, we didn't really get to get to do a deep dive into these questions. And I don't necessarily even have specific answers for these questions. But I thought maybe we could okay. just sort of we just sort of spitball here. But there are there are a few new characters, and I was wondering, okay, uh, who you guys would want to cast for these. So we have Rafe, we yeah, have Dade, 
Andy Serkis. Dade, who we didn't really talk about that much, and uh, uh, Torvalum, I'd say, Andy are the main Serkis. three. Torvalum is certainly Andy Serkis. Yeah. Andy Serkis <laughs> is already in the series. As... Doesn't matter. He can be in it again. Um, um, <laughs> Rafe, I would say, it has to be someone kind of young. Um, yeah, I'd say kind of young. I would I would have liked to see um I know there's the line on uh page 92 maybe that says diverse faces with a new purpose. And I really like that. I really like that. And especially like with Finn uh being an African American guy, uh I would have liked to see maybe like maybe like an East Asian actor or uh, yeah. like an Indian actor. Yeah. Yeah, maybe like Dev Patel. Yeah, that could have been great. Yeah. Yeah, that could have been interesting. Yeah, I'd love to see him doing, like, action stuff. Or Spanish actor, you know, either a Mexican or Spanish actor. A Latinx actor. Middle Eastern. We already got Diego Luna. He's already a, he's already a Star Wars character, so we can't use him. Ah, true. Well, let's just pretend so. that Rogue One never happened. That would be, <laughs> that would be yeah. my solution. Uh, Rogue One never happened. That's the simple fix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. But, uh, no, yeah, so Dade would be tough because he's a 12-year-old. Yeah. Gatling so I don't really know. Selleck... Selleck could have been um, Selleck could have been could have been the Matt Smith role that's true Mm. another Imperial see I loved Richard E. Grant as Pride I didn't I didn't really like that they just sort of threw Pride in there like as an afterthought but but I like uh, is he really he was in a very short web series I think that was Richard E. Grant um, in a very short web series that they did uh, before they did the reboot back in like 2004 he was uh, in like a online Flash Adventures. Um, I, he has some official title, but I forget what it was. But he was the Doctor, and then he was also in. Uh, he was actually in an episode with Matt Smith, the Christmas special in like 2012, The Snowman, whatever that was. Huh. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I did like him as Pride, so maybe he could have just been like you know Selick, basically just another Matt generic Smith's first. Or he order. could have been Vaughn. Yeah, he could have been Vaughn. Date? I didn't really have any super specific thoughts. No, it's tough to cast a 12-year-old. You probably just cast some random-ass 12-year-old that does decent in the casting uh, auditions. He's not 12 anymore. But... No, he's... no, he's definitely not 12 he's, anymore. He's too old and I would and not want Finn Wolfhard. Yeah. Like, the, the Stranger Things kids, the It kids, they're all too too old. We need, like, some yeah. new... We need some new, uh, like, sci-fi ensemble kids, kids drama to happen again. So that we... So that we can cast this role. The casting role. pool yeah. is bigger. Yeah, exactly. So we have kids. Uh... So we so we got Dev <laughs> Patel and uh, Richard E. Grant, yeah. but nothing nothing for Dade. All right, yeah. so you know, and, I feel and, like those are two solid castings, and maybe about, nothing for Torvalum. What about uh, what about Benedict Cumberbatch as Torvalum? Oh, I love like, it. Yeah, Great. like uh, Smaug. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, because yeah, he, he can do that. He can do that. Yeah, he can do that mocap. He has a cool voice that he could use. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can see Benedict Cumberbatch. That's dope. What happened to Benedict Cumberbatch? What's he doing right now? I don't He's know. barely been in anything Doctor recently. Strange? New Doctor yeah. Strange, yeah, yeah. I guess well, that, yeah, I guess Doctor Strange. Well, I was. Yeah, gonna, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I was gonna say when uh, when Kylo Ren goes in to meet with Torvalum, he he's like, "Teach me," which is like the the same thing that Doctor Strange yeah. does with the ancient. Yeah. Ones, so how about that? Get that good synergy it. between the two universes owned by Disney. Yep, you could have Benedini Cumberbund. <laughs> yes, Torvalum. Alrighty, so, uh, yeah, is there anything else you guys want to say about this script? I think just maybe real quick final thoughts, Brennan? Uh, yeah, final thoughts. I think that this was, like, like we said before, this is the common sense script. It's, it's everything that, like, 
Well, not everything, but like it really is taking Ryan Johnson's ideas and running with it in, in a way that like where it enhances The Last Jedi without just kind of spitting it back in Ryan Johnson's face. Um, and I know that this came out um, that this or rather this was written before The Last Jedi actually came out. But I th- I think that like you know they really did foresee a lot of the problems that people had with the last jedi and i think delivered a, a like on just a really you know solid script uh that i think if it had been produced probably wouldn't have been quite as controversial as the rise of skywalker was um but yeah i don't know i i really i really did i enjoyed reading it I, and i i enjoyed spending time with these characters in a new light so yeah i i i don't know that's that's kind of my thought. Are we saying whether or not we like it better than Rise of Skywalker? Sure. Let's, yeah. Instead of a rating, yeah, I, I I will say I think I like it better than the Rise of Skywalker. I definitely like this better than the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, completely second everything you just said. Um, and I just I I think there's no question in my in my mind if this script would have been put to the screen. With the same, I mean, I know it's just a, it's just a script, and you know, we don't know what the finished product really would have looked like, but I really believe that if we, this would have been put to the screen uh, with the same filmmaking acumen as uh, both the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, that uh, the sequel trilogy would for sure be my favorite trilogy. Um, I I think I think the original still maybe holds that holds that position for me, even though I do really love the Last Jedi. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would have loved to see this. I still, I still would love to see this. Um, I would like just there are some things in this movie that I would just kill to see. Like I would pay full, full price admission for like just the shot of Chewbacca throwing Jadek Ren and then like shooting him <laughs> in the air. Like that's that's fucking incredible. Like it, it, I'm sorry, like Trevorrow, like you deserve so much. Like coming up with all of this stuff, but then also like you didn't go too far outside the box, but it's just, it makes sense and it's creative, which is why I think is just, this is a fantastic script. Uh, and I'm sad that we didn't get to see it, but I am very happy that it leaked and that I could have that experience of reading it. Yeah, I agree with both you guys. I think this is the, the logical next step in this series. And I think that it might have been, you know, the script itself, if produced, you know, pretty faithfully to the screen, I think probably would have been, up there with Force Awakens and Last Jedi, meaning it would have been in my top five favorite Star Wars movies. And I think, yeah, just collectively it might have overtaken, you know, the original trilogy for me. But the sequel trilogy, because of how bad Rise of Skywalker is, uh, just really falls on its stupid face in Rise of Skywalker. It doesn't live up to the original trilogy, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I really love this script. I love the moments that we get. I love the dialogue between the characters. Like you said, Brennan, it was so nice to, like, just get to sit with these characters again and just be back with them in, in this universe. And, uh, yeah, I think what what Trevorrow knew how to do was to have these characters interact in a meaningful way with new material and also still calling back to the old movies with you know let's blow this thing and go home and i know and those kind of just those kind of moments that we mentioned um but then giving us something new at the end with ray solana instead of ray palpatine and ray skywalker Uh, i think it's astronomically better than the rise of skywalker and i'm super super bummed that this isn't what we got but we still have that script we have the script you know in my own head canon this is episode nine because it's so much better 
and uh, we can just kind of ignore that Rise of Skywalker happened and be like, oh, it's weird that they never made this uh, last script of the last movie. Huh. That's weird. Guess we just have to live with this script instead of not having a movie for episode nine. Um, it's like the Divergent series. They just didn't make the last movie. <laughs> right, they didn't. Uh, um, but no, yeah, so I think that was that was a good discussion of the uh, of the Duel of the Fates script. Uh, you guys want to plug our other shows real quick before we talk about what we're going to be doing coming up next on the Octo Island podcast? Absolutely. So, a couple of shows we got. We have uh, Stop Wait What, which is our comedy advice, imp- improv comedy advice show, I think is, is the the most comprehensive term for it um yeah uh uh so that's pretty fun uh we have back in style new episode on friday yes new episode of that on friday uh we have back in style which is our twin peaks review podcast i've seen the show before uh i have matt on the show who has not seen it and uh ryan as well has not seen it so uh we're going through that episode by episode and um uh we'll never spoil anything past the episode you're on so uh you know whether you just want to get started with the show uh, start binging it's on Netflix, or if you're an old fan, uh, there's something for you there. Yeah, we also have uh, Twist Among Mysteries, which is a uh, uh, m- another show that I, I run, which is the uh, the Twisted Mug Media Network's premiere show for all things spooky and occult. Uh, we've talked about things like Annabelle, the real Annabelle, the doll, um, uh, 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 Annalise Michelle. Uh, the demonic possession of Annalise Michelle and uh, the Sally House are the three episodes that are out now. We've got some new episodes of that coming out, um, and we also have social media stuff. Uh, I somehow totally forgot you're... about the Cinema Talk podcast. I was gonna say you're forgetting our flagship oh, show, yeah. the uh, Cinema Talk I kind of podcast. Thought that this was that. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Yeah, no, uh, Ryan. Before we talk about social media, why don't you talk about the last two shows on the network? <laughs> Yeah, so the Cinema Talk Podcast and the Cinema Talk Movie General are two movie review podcasts. Um, the Cinema Talk Podcast is basically your deep dive into fil- any film. We talk about um, one film for the entirety of the podcast. We go and deep dive into the production history, talk about the plot. It's a full-on critical review of the film uh, that's hosted by all of us. And then CTP Movie Journal is basically the short-form discussion of that, where me and Matt review uh, new releases, and that's where we also do our top 20s, which we have our top 25 of the decade coming out probably around the end of the month, so that's very exciting. Back over to Brendan for the social medias. Logan was going to do it, but yeah. I, <laughs> I was going to do it. Back over to Logan for the social medias. I, I put, for for a little behind-the-scenes peek, I put... A part of the kimono. Uh, yeah, a, a part of the kimono is... Uh, I, I did. We're on FaceTime right now, so I did an effect over my screen where I typed out the words, "I'll plug the socials next," and then, <laughs> and then Ryan just back said, to "All right, Brandon, back to you." But our social media, so you can follow us on social media uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Twisted Mug Media, and you can also email us uh, at twistedmugmedia at gmail We would love to hear from you. Any questions you have, any thoughts uh, on this script, things we covered, things we didn't cover. It would be shocking if we didn't cover uh, anything in, you know, an hour and ten minutes. But uh, I guess that's, yeah. I, I it's think how the shit it. goes sometimes. It's, it's how the shit goes sometimes. So, yeah, please uh, please contact us. Leave us good ratings on uh, on, on Spotify, on iTunes. iTunes? Literally everywhere. We're on Podbean is our main, main site. But no, yeah, so come back to the Octo Island two weeks from now. We're going to be starting our Clone Wars rewatch, or restarting our Clone Wars rewatch. Um, it is going to be episodes two through five of season one. So if you guys want to watch those episodes to keep up with us, it's going to be two through five of season one. 
very very excited to do that uh what are you boys thinking for clone wars how excited are you to go through that show you know i i before when we talked about doing this again i actually started watching some of the series so i've actually seen through like half of the show at this point um oh wow yeah but so i i have already seen these episodes so you said before that this would be but i've i've seen them before but i'm excited okay logan yeah um hype as hell never seen uh any of it before except for uh the uh the theatrically released uh clone wars movie which we did review on the cinema talk podcast but um yeah hopefully i'll uh I'll be on that as much as I possibly can. Uh, although it is an anthology series, so we should be able to to float in and out of that uh, pretty pretty fluidly. But um, yeah, super excited. Awesome. We'll come back in two weeks for the first uh, restart of the Clone Wars rewatch, and uh, yeah, we'll see you then. I'm Ryan. I'm Logan. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. Stay home. Yeah, I think... Oh, Ooh, go ahead, Go Brian. ahead, Ryan. Oh, so okay. kind. <laughs> Someone make up their mind. This is... Ryan, talk. You go, Brendan. God damn it. Okay, okay, are, okay. This is what quarantine I'll go, podcast I'll go, I'll go, I'll go.